My name is Maddie, and you're listening to Zufet. This episode is a bit less on the happy side, but I just want to share some information about a BDSM group, hoping that we can uh, learn some lessons on some behaviors and other things to watch out for when it comes to safety of ourselves and others. To start, I will be uh, talking about a photographer. Instead of using his uh, professional name or his real name in which everyone knows him by, I'm just going to call him a Dirtbag. And as for uh, one of the victims, I'll just call her Little Bubbly Me. After her uh, online profile on FetLife that no longer exists. And there are just only screenshots of notifications from her profile. And I will uh, describe the events that occurred to the best of my ability based on the knowledge that uh, she has given me and what a couple of other witnesses have been able to uh, give me as well. So to start, uh, Little Bubbly Me's profile was made back in September of 2018. I'm not sure who introduced her to uh, her local BDSM community, but she does claim to have had a neighbor that kept pushing her to go to events. And upon going to her first uh, coffee munch, uh, she met Dirtbag. They talked, and sometime between uh, that month of September of 2018 and November of 2018, uh, they started dating. A quick backstory about uh, Little Bubbly Me is that she came from a broken, abusive family, and uh, this included sexual abuse, physical abuse, and emotional abuse. And she was just a very mentally broken individual, and um, she could and still can be described as kind of unstable. Uh, her moods and behaviors are constantly shifting and she is just very paranoid about anyone and everyone being out to hurt her. Uh, for this reason, she's very clingy to anyone who can uh, give her any positive attention, and the instant you don't uh, live up to her expectations, she just kind of doesn't trust you anymore. And I feel that it's important to note because that relates to why I feel she was uh, targeted. So uh, Little Bubbly Me and Dirtbag started dating, and uh, she was going to more and more events, and she moved in with him. Uh, sometime around December of 2018, uh, something had changed. Uh, little Bubbly Me started mes messaging a couple of people in the group about her situation, and she wanted to get out of it. And uh, the people that she was messaging uh, were constantly getting banned from the group solely for talking to her. And uh, one person was very suspicious about that, so they reached out to an anti-trafficking expert uh, named Kelly. And I've also reached out to Kelly, and I will be interviewing with her at some point in the, in the future. I'm not sure when, as of uh, recording this. And I'll also be interviewing an organization called uh, Call to Freedom as well, or, well, members of the organization. So, um, unfortunately, nothing really came out of uh, the talk between Little Bubbly Me and the other people that she was talking to, other than uh, the one individual is kind of starting a battle with... Uh, police and lawmakers as far as sex trafficking isn't really defined by the reality of what it is. It's not defined by the actions and the behaviors that uh, create it. But um, anyway, so between uh, December of 2018 and February of 2019, uh, Little Bubbly Me moved from living with a dirt bag to living with a couple that I will just call uh, Pedo Bear and Politician. Uh, the one is just an 800-pound uh, sack of lard, and he's just a disgusting, just really disgusting individual, and his profile is just as disgusting as he is. And a uh, pol politician is just 
trash that likes to kind of uh, paint her own narratives about people. And uh, she uses that to uh, twist, well, she's no longer as active in the Munch Group, but at the time uh, she became one of the members of the leadership, she was using that to just twist the Munch Group into something other than what it was. Uh, from my understanding, and this is from the uh, same person that reached out to uh, several anti-trafficking experts and then to me, um, they were vetted by the previous leadership of the group and the vetting process then was as simple as just going to public events and talking to people about anything. It didn't even have to be um, of the subject that relates to the community itself. And anyone could talk to anyone and become vetted through recommendations. But a politician kind of turned that into um, only very specific individuals could decide the vetting. And those specific individuals just happened, quote unquote, to uh, be the people closest to politician. Uh, she started removing dozens of people from the group and um, almost all those people just happened to be uh, those who were making contact with Little Bubbly Me. Um, politician just kind of created an environment where the only people that were allowed in the group to go to events, public or private, were those who kind of agreed with uh, the play that she herself wanted to participate in. Um, at the end of February 2019, Little Bubbly Me's account was deleted, but she still lived uh, with those two members and still went to events. At the, at the uh, monthly meeting in uh, February with uh, one of their other local groups uh, 200 miles away, uh, Little Bubbly Me participated in a flogging scene. Uh, she was flogged for a while, and she gave out her safe word, and her safe word was just ignored. She was flogged until she passed out, and uh, when she came to, she tried to run away, naked, in the middle of a blizzard, and uh, she fell in the snow and was passed out again. Uh, she was dragged back into the home, and uh, when she came back to the uh, town she lived with, uh, with the uh, couple that she was living with, she ran away a second time, uh, choosing to just be homeless over living with um, just abusive predators. And uh, one of the other things she mentioned as far as what uh, kind of pushed her over, to, uh, over the edge is that uh, the predators that she was with were just constantly obsessed with BDSM at all times, uh, to the extent of even making comments about it um, in their work environment. And they just would never not be thinking about it or just obsessed about it at all times. And even if you look at their uh, FetLife profiles, you'll find them just saying exactly that. However, uh, before Little Bubbly Me ran away from uh, the couple she was with, she took one, uh, one of their phones and uh, sent pictures and videos to another member of the group, and I'll just call her Swine. And uh, so she trusted Swine with evidence of uh, rape and, um, again, just pictures of videos of, uh, what had happened to her. Because, uh, Little Bubbly Me didn't have a phone of her own. And she also knew that even if she had a phone, she wouldn't be able to really, uh, get away with it. Uh, she's just a very small, underweight, frail person. And as far as if you wanted to kind of physically take advantage of her, it wouldn't be very difficult. Which is another reason why I think she was targeted. So uh, after running away and after sending the uh, pictures and videos to Swine, um, Little Bubbly Me went to Swine's tattoo shop to ask Swine to email her the uh, pictures and videos back so that uh, she, Little Bubbly Me, uh, could uh, take those to the police. Uh, 
and uh, Swine deleted the pictures and videos and Little Bubbly Me just snapped right there at her or at Swine's uh, tattoo shop. So uh, Little Bubbly Me threw a massive scene at the tattoo parlor and I don't think you can really blame her. Uh, she trusted someone with evidence of rape and that person betrayed her trust. Um, about a month passed and a politician made a post about Little Bubbly Me scene at the uh, tattoo parlor but just happened to ignore and not mention any, any details as to why Little Bubbly Me had that scene at the parlor. And in the process of, a politician was just framing Little Bubbly Me as just being crazy, saying that she was just crazy and unstable and no one asked questions. Overall, I believe that um, a Little Bubbly Me was specifically targeted because her instability and the fact that she's kind of crazy would make it very easy to be written off as crazy when someone didn't get their way with her and no one would ask questions but to me that that's why I want to ask these questions because I see people like that and I know that it's why they're targeted and it's not exactly easy to kind of uh, put stories together when you have people who are kind of unstable but to think that they're lying when they tell these stories versus some details just being muddled, I think is a very dangerous uh, mindset. So, uh, Little Bubbly Me uh, did go to the police, but uh, nothing ever came out of it. And since then, she just refuses to talk to anyone about what happened. And she's, she has just given up. And that was in around July or August of uh, 2019. So nothing happened with in, with anything for a little over a year until September 9th of 2020. Uh, someone had found a nude, unedited, uncensored picture of themselves uploaded to uh, Dirtbag's profile. Uh, this picture was uploaded on November 6th of 2019, a month after a screenshot of a uh, text conversation between Dirtbag and this person who uh, we'll refer to as Leona um, had had a dirtbag saying that he had lost all of the pictures of her that he had had. So uh, this person, Leona, was a favorite model of dirtbag, starting all the way back in uh, 20, or January of 2017. And almost immediately, uh, he tried to pressure her into uh, dating and joining the local munch group. He wasn't uh, really a fan of her denying his advances, but he kept trying for a couple of years until Leona just found out that he had up loaded a uh, naked photo of her on his uh, profile picture, or not profile picture, on his profile, uh, without her knowledge or consent. And when she uh, confronted Dirtbag, uh, he tried to gaslight her with a few other messages that she has screenshotted and uh, sent to me as well. And he's just kind of a narcissistic, narcissistic just piece of trash. So uh, while we don't really know for an absolute fact that uh, Leona was being targeted as a victim, she did have everything else in common with Little Bubbly Me, including uh, the same background of just a really terrible family and years of sexual trauma and an unstable mental state. And when she confronted uh, Dirtbag, I think that to an extent that kind of made her safe in the future because sex traffickers don't want to try and... Uh, move someone who knows who they are, including their names and everything else. Um, I will be interviewing uh, Leona later in this episode, 
one of the issues that uh, a lot of victims have is that the law doesn't define sex trafficking or protect victims in terms of uh, what it actually is, the reality of how they operate and everything that they do. Uh, the, the law is just kind of many years behind in terms of how modern technology is kind of become uh, dangerous, at least in terms of how predators uh, take advantage of it. Uh, the law didn't really protect Little Bubbly Me or uh, Leona because they're over the age of 18. A lot of uh, what happened to them isn't really protected because they quote-unquote consented, regardless of the situation that led to them saying yes, or the fact that they were pushed into a situation where they were forced to saying yes. We're saying yes is the only option. Uh, the state doesn't really protect Leona because, uh, or not the state, the law doesn't really protect Leona because the state she lives in uh, doesn't have revenge porn uh, laws, nor do the local authorities want to consider that maybe when you have multiple people reporting the same dirtbag for the same behavior, that maybe he's someone that needs to be watched to some degree. And ultimately you end up with a... Uh, local uh, BDSM munch group where anywhere from six to eight people, some of which weren't necessarily involved in the direct act of sex trafficking, but were involved in terms of hiding it from everyone else, uh, then use another 40 to 50 people or everyone else in the group who isn't involved as cover to their own activities. They use BDSM as an excuse to justify their actions, lying about consent or worse, and I just don't have an answer to these issues. I do have ideas, but my ideas aren't exactly perfect for everyone, and they're a little bit more on the optimistic side, but uh, the ideas I have would help protect some people from uh, these sorts of predators. And my ideas do operate under the assumption that at some point there might be lawyers who would defend employment protection to engaging in BDSM or other uh, similar communities uh, outside of work or in terms of uh, being able to protect your livelihood, your family's uh, personal image, whatever else. But uh, to, to start, I would like to talk to various people in different communities around the country and uh, the rest of the world. Though, as a heads up to anyone around the world, um, I only really speak English. I can read a couple of other languages, so a lot of it may have to be uh, like written or email and kind of uh, run through translations, which aren't exactly accurate sometimes. But um, I, I want to talk to different uh, people in different communities around the world to sort of uh, create a set standard in which um, BDSM communities, communities can kind of operate by. Uh, starting with uh, disputes between members would uh, be investigated by third-party uh, individuals that uh, aren't involved in the dispute but are still part of the group where resolutions could include just verbal warning, written warning, just, you know, people just continue on, just simply have that conversation, point out mistakes that may have been made. Maybe having like a mentor uh, member with you to kind of monitor your behaviors or mentor uh, you in an instant where you might do something that makes someone uncomfortable. Uh, not necessarily because you're doing something wrong, it's just some things make some people uncomfortable uh, regardless and uh, some of it does come to some level of uh, mental disability because there are functioning levels of some disabilities including autism 
and this is a very unpopular opinion, but I feel as though people with autism should not be discriminated against in these communities just because no one has the patience to learn them as individual people. Again, it's not a very popular opinion, but it is one that I hold. Um, other uh, resolutions could be just denied access from uh, private parties for whatever period of time or even just private parties or events at this specific individual's um, property. Or maybe have uh, like group health classes about uh, various aspects, probably focusing more on the mental and emotional sides, emphasizing that everyone is different and everyone experiences similar or even the same events uh, differently. Or just other uh, various resolutions that could include uh, banning entirely. Now, a lot of this would include uh, more effort on the part of the different uh, munch groups to uh, designate people for different responsibilities and would also require people to be more patient and be more open to learning about everyone as an individual before making judgments, in addition to having the initiative to want to learn more. It'll never happen, but these are just kind of um, idealistic ideas. So we'll just pretend that uh, the BDSM community is full of open-minded, educated learners who all appreciate each other's differences. How do we keep everyone safe? Um, I think it's as simple as open communication, both in and out of these activities. Uh, the more people you talk to, uh, the more people you befriend, uh, befriend, the more eyes that are on you, the more people who know about you, the more people you're talking to. I just repeated that twice. Anyway, uh, just the more people you're talking to, the less room there is for predators to act. Again, assuming that we have uh, this ideal environment where people can be open without uh, repercussions of losing work or whatever image they may possess kind of going down the drain. You know, groups do need to have uh, the space to play and the space needs to be known. Not necessarily in terms of uh, kind of outing people or um, taking away privacy, but I meant mean more in terms of people of this community being able to protect each other better. Um, I think that, uh, well, some groups already do this, but uh, being able to have a friend with you and bring a friend with you is very important for safety. Uh, your friends will know your body language better than most other people, and just having that person there who just knows you can kind of also guide uh, other people in the community for whatever play you might be interested in and overall just promotes a safer environment. Uh, my ideas aren't perfect and they're not for everyone and they, they'll never happen, but I believe that being more open uh, to the best of our ability is the best way to keep people safe. It won't stop all predators, but it can prevent there from being nearly as much sexual, um, sexual assault and abuse in the BDSM community. And if we can kind of eliminate this tribalistic attitude and treating it like an exclusive club, then we can remove the pressure of uh, feeling the need to participate in order to feel belonged in the group or the community. And if we can do that, then we can build a better uh, structure to kind of educate and teach people and just a safer community. Uh, th these are my thoughts. and. I can only hope that whatever happened to uh, Little Bubbly Me and Leona will never happen to anyone again. Unfortunately, uh, we live in a very interesting world where these things will continue uh, to happen regardless. And it uh, sounds like my dog Abigail would like to be a part of this episode, and she says hi. 
Um, ultimately, I think that to uh, build this better and safer community, it's going to have to start with uh, lawmakers kind of defining sex trafficking in its entirety and not just what they think it is from a hundred years ago. And uh, But before I move on to the interview with Leona, I do want to say that um, I did do a little bit of censoring in terms of some language and uh, names. Although if you uh, listen really hard, you can figure out what was said. Um, I do this because I don't want to entirely take away from what she's saying, and I want it to be as much her as possible. Um, I do not take any responsibility for what she does say, nor am I going to remove her words entirely because it is her interview, her story, and her words. And any edits that I did do were done with her knowledge and approval. Uh, lastly, with the... Uh, interview coming up here. Um, I'm not adding any music to the background of the interview, and there will be some uh, brief moments of dead air, as I want to give the interview experience in its entirety, including a couple times where she uh, bumped the table, and you can kind of hear in the microphone when her uh, voice starts to shake. But ultimately, this is her story to share, and I hope that someone somewhere might find a lesson that they need out of it. Here it is. Thank you. So uh, before the interview, I referred to um, the previous section of this episode as a previous episode entirely. I wasn't planning on uh, combining the interview with it until uh, Leona said that she wanted to um, include her interview with this episode. So that's why I, I did this. So I do apologize for any confusion. Hey, Leona, how's your day going? It's going great. Yeah, it's good to hear. So I was talking to you when I was uh, researching uh, your local BDSM group uh, in my previous episode, and you wanted to share your story. Uh, what was your friendship like with the photographer before you found out that he was kind of an... Um, I, I'm going to have to start from the beginning of where I met him. I was at, um, before they got rid of... Um, it was Khan. He was one of the photographers shooting underage girls, and I met him, and we became friends from there. And it was a really great friendship until things got really, really sketchy for me. When you say sketchy, what sort of uh, behaviors or actions was he doing that kind of made you uncomfortable? He kept asking to, um, I say um a lot, I'm sorry. Um, he kept asking to date me, and then shoot pornographic photo shoots that I was not absolutely comfortable with. And how old were you at this time? I was around, I think, around like 20, 19 or 20 at the time. So when you first met him, uh, were you 19 or 20 or was, or was that I just was when he started actually, being sketchy? I was actually, it was in 2015, I was 19 when so, I first met him. So you were 19 when you first met him? Right. So, what happened after you turned him down for uh, from his offers? He got very aggressive and trying to manipulate me into getting into a relationship with him, saying that no other man can treat me the way he can, and that I deserve to have someone like him who knows more about BDSM and can show me BDSM things. So why was he trying to push BDSM so hard onto you? 
he found out that I was actually into BDSM and I had actually wanted to explore the dom and sub relationship because he also found out that I was a, I worked as under the table in Colorado as a dominatrix and he found that out. And he just thought it was appropriate to kept, keep asking you to do these things after you said no? Yeah, he obviously does not know how to take no for an answer, like typical men who don't know what no means. Yeah, we tend to get that a lot more often than, well, more than not at all. And not at all would be perfectly acceptable. Anything more than that is not so completely it's acceptable. Excessive. If you continue to ask somebody and they keep saying no. So this was about, uh, you say, around 2018 when you quit talking to him for a while? Um, I actually, it was like that towards the end of 2017 that I like dropped all contact with him. And then like, it was like, I think like towards the beginning end of 2018 either the beginning of 2018 or the end of 2018 that I started talking to him again and I went on a photo shoot with him and then he said he deleted those photos but turns out he didn't so where were you when you found out that he had posted an uncensored, very identifiable nude of yours onto his FetLife profile? Um, I was hanging out with a friend, and she was looking at her phone because she was showing me the website FetLife, which, by the way, I've never heard of until she showed me it. And she was, like, scrolling through his through profiles, not his specifically, but random profiles. And she showed me a picture, and she was like, oh, my God picture of you um and then she said that there was a picture of me on the profile and I was like no there's not and she's like yes there is and I was like show me and she's like look Leona it's you I can tell it's you and then I contacted him and then he was like oh you can't tell it's you and da 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 but he told me that because there was two photo shoots I've done that he's deleted supposedly said he deleted all the pictures but somehow when I asked for them a year later that they've shown up and so I was freaking out and the police mocked me when I called the police to get it legally something done and the police wouldn't do anything because you nope. live somewhere where there are no revenge porn laws and because he didn't do any additional action the police wouldn't do anything yep they said because he owns the rights but i never signed a thing saying he owns the rights to those photos when you go into when you model for somebody they sign you sign a piece of paperwork that says hey for this shoot i own all the photos i never signed that I've worked with a couple, quite a few photographers, and I've never once with him, except for one time, him have me sign anything, saying he owns the rights of those photos. And then he started blaming me and stuff, saying like, 
that I should take down all my other modeling photos and stuff because he owns the rights and I'm acting childish, but I'm not. That's something you don't post on the internet of without covering up certain areas, and he just didn't care. So you blocked him on Facebook, and then he messaged you from his professional page? Yeah. Um, should we say the name? I mean, it's your interview if you want to out his name. Um, can. Just to, for those who are listening, um, his name is... And he says he's a photographer. But please be wary if you are a single female in the age range of 19 to 20, or 18 for that matter. I don't want you guys to get hurt and go through what I went through and his last victim went through. So, me. so you uh, started engaging with him more when you were 19 years old. And yeah. the previous victim, which we'll call Little Bubbly Me, uh, was also of that same age. Yeah. And her experience was Pretty basically... Pretty much the same as mine, except... She was taken to his home and kind of forcibly engaged in sexual activity. Yeah. And you think that he was going to do the same thing to you? Um, he was trying to do do that to me by offering, by saying he was going to pay me money to do porn shoots where he was literally inside me and kind of like a porn video, I guess you could say. And I said no and I was like, you cannot pay me enough money to even do a shoot like that with me. So when I started talking to you, uh, you gave me a screenshot of a message or the message you sent from his uh, professional page. Uh, did you want me to read that out in this interview? I'm going to say go ahead. He needs to be exposed and this is the best way I think we can get this group held responsible for what they've done to me and to their other victims and potential future victims. All right. So the quote is... <clears throat> Since you've decided to block my personal account, I'll send you this here. If you're going to block me, rather than talk about the one-sided expectations you seem to have when it comes to the photos that I own, and yes, I own them as the photographer that has not assigned you any rights to them, I'm going to have to insist that you remove all of them from Facebook and Instagram and any other social media sources. If you want to be an adult and talk about it, you can unblock my personal account and send me a message there or send me a text. I'm really sorry that you were choosing to act this way rather than have an adult discussion. I actually thought that we were friends. That is the quote, and that has a lot of what you could best describe as... Emotional. Gaslighting? It's, uh, yes, it's gaslighting. It's part of emotional abuse, and that's what he does. He um, befriends his victims, and then he uses that friendship as a way to get them to do something that they don't want to do so they'll do it if that makes any sense i'm not for sure if that makes sense but you know what i mean well talking to the other victim before he seems to want to put people in a position of debt to him and then kind of exploit that uh, feeling of guilt yeah he does that a lot he um will um exploit them he will um Make them feel like they're they're absolute shit. If I had my 
old phone, I would show you the text messages of how he made me feel like absolute because I would not, I personally would not go out and um, have sex with him or do these pornographic shoots and stuff. And he says that they were for a collection for a person, but I think honestly, he was gathering pictures like that for the munch group as some weird sexual thing. I guess you could say sexual pleasure, desire, whatever you want to freaking call it. All right, so uh, before we continue, is it okay if I add uh, my own thoughts about the screenshot? Go ahead. All right, so uh, first... Um, he took you blocking him on his personal account as an open invitation to just message you on another account. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure that you, just like most other women, are just huge fans of people who oh, yeah, totally. feel like those boundaries don't apply to them. Uh, yeah. Because, you know. When you set boundaries with someone, they need to accept those boundaries. They need to be like, okay, that's a boundary she set. I don't want to cross it, but I set that boundary when I blocked him by saying, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I am ashamed that you would do something to me. Like in the previous, before he messaged me on his business account, I was talking to him on his personal account and he was like freaking just demeaning me and making me feel like shit and worthless and it's not okay for this to happen it's not okay for women having to fight tooth and nail to get justice done or for groups like this to happen and the victims and survivors don't get any justice that's the thing that hurts the most yeah that's one of my personal issues when it comes to predators in bdsm is the victims are over the age of 18 and a lot of them are pushed into situations where they say yes out of duress or like they say yes because they're scared or they don't have a way of getting out of there like if they came with somebody they don't have that ability to get in their own car and fucking go you know they don't have a way to get out safely and the only way they feel that they can get it out out safely is by agreeing with the abuser now i was abused as a child so i understand like abusers tactics and stuff and this is one way that abusers get their victims to do stuff is like they sit there and they put them in a situation where the abuser and the victim both know that they don't have a way to get the to say no and do it safely or get out safely and that's what he that group and him do ultimately just regardless of how or the circumstances that uh, resulted in them saying yes uh, a lot of law looks at the yes as consent and that's the end of it and that's where it's so weird in this state because Yes doesn't always mean yes. And I want to ex um, explain a little bit more on that because 
if I was in a situation where I know something's going to happen to me and I can't get out safely, I am going to agree to get out. So a woman who's being raped, who got raped, may have said yes just to get away to satisfy the abuser's needs or wants in order to make sure that they're safe and then they can go get help or whatever. I don't think that it's okay to just go off of the yes situation. I think it's they need to look at the bigger picture and look at the whole situation as a whole, not just because a woman said yes. Because yes does not always mean yes. If that makes sense. I, I understand. It's just... I don't it's really hard. have an answer to these problems. Other than... They're the I guess law enforcement needs to have more freedom to... Kind of... They need to be trained more. Yeah. They need to learn to listen to the whole situation. And disregard the whole yes. You know? Because I was been, I've been in relationships where I was... Um, domestically abuse, like domestic violence type situations where I had to say yes to get out alive and with a black eye, you know, or a busted lip or a bloody nose. I had to say yes to make sure that I could get out alive and cops would look, I'd call the cops and look at the situation and be like, well, you said yes, you know, you consented. And it's like, I only said yes to get out. I didn't say yes because I wanted to get beat. You know. Unfortunately, nothing's really going to change until law officials are trained in these sorts of behaviors and they need the funding to expand when it comes to sexual offenses, sex trafficking, sexual abuse, just these sorts of crimes. Yeah, because, like, where we're at, there's no way in hell that this is ever going to end unless more victims, I should I shouldn't call them victims, more survivors come forward with their, um, with their stories. You know, the more sur- survivors come up, come with their stories, the more ability we have and more power to end this. And that group needs to be taken down because it's dangerous. I can't even walk outside where I live, you know. Well, I, I think the worst part of it all is that due to the sort of overly secretive nature of the BDSM community, you have a lot of people that weren't involved, had nothing to do with it, didn't know about it, being used as cover by, you know, yeah. however many individuals, six or eight or as many as ten on the research I'm looking at. So you have ten people out of a group of like 50 or 60 using the other 40 people as cover of, oh, it's just all consensual adult activity. This person's just crazy. And yeah. I think that that's one of the reasons why this uh, photographer looks for people who have had a history of abuse. Because it's easier to write someone off as crazy when they already have so much previous trauma. It's easy to write you off as crazy and no one asks questions. Meanwhile, I see what happens and I want to ask those questions. 
Like, I think this group particularly targets those with, um, I wouldn't say, I don't know if I should say mental disabilities or like Just a history trauma. of trauma. Just like a, a history of trauma. I think they look for people who have low self-esteem or like depression or anxiety or something like that and PTSD or CPTSD. You know, well, both you and little little bubbly me grew up grew up with abusive families and abusive yeah. households your entire life. Yeah, and and the moment he doesn't treat you like shit, it's very easy for him to kind of take advantage of you. Yeah, it's very easily because we latch onto that thinking, oh, this is a good person to be around. But then once the abuse sets in. We recognize it and we're like, oh, this is not not good at all. I need to get out, you know. And I'm afraid if I try to get out, he's going to hurt me or some or something. And I'm at the point in my life where, like, if I sense that abuse is going to happen, I'm going to get out while I can and to make sure that I'm okay and those around me who are in the same similar situation as me are okay. And this is why it's so hard for me to talk about it. It's because I can't physically protect all the potential victims and the survivors because this group is dangerous, like super dangerous. So uh, continuing as far as the uh, message you sent you, um, so I can give you a minute to kind of recover your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he started with breaking your boundaries uh, by messaging you on another account. And then secondly, uh, he stated twice that he owns the photos and has not given any right to you. And I think that that just creates a further divide as he's trying to kind of assert his position as being over you. And it's, yeah, it's just much. kind of more his idea of entitlement. Um, pretty much like I said at the beginning, um, when you take for... Um get photos done especially if they're a little bdsm related or lingerie or something where you're nude because i have done nude modelings um before you have to sign a piece of paper saying that you are over the age of 18 18 or older and that the photos are the photographers i only signed one of those photos one of those photos. I only signed one of those contracts for one of the shoots that I've done. The rest, I don't have paperwork on because he never asked me to sign one. The protocol is you're supposed to sit there and sign something before you even start the shoot because if you don't sign it and then you start the shoot, that's against the law. You know, uh, and yeah, so he does not own those rights to those photos because I never signed anything. That makes sense. All right. And then uh, thirdly, and I found this kind of amusing, not in a positive way, and kind of a negative entertainment sort of way. I understand. But the, the fact that he keeps saying that you're not acting like an adult because you've set boundaries that he has decided to break... And that's another sign of a of abuser, a narcissist, is they 
They don't like boundaries set. No, like it's, it's him trying to kind of place himself as being better than you. It's like, kind of, oh, yeah. you're not being an adult, but I'm being an adult. Why can't you be more like me? Yeah. And do what I want you to do. That's definitely a sign of a narcissist. And then uh, that That's kind of... what narcissists do. They, yeah. um... He's just... Yeah, he is. And I'm warning every female. Stay away from him. And then I also like his he phrase... He causes more problems than he's worth. Sorry. I don't know, I just... I just don't understand, like, what sort of mindset it takes to be able to commit to doing these terrible things. I don't know, but I can tell you this, that if some good comes from this, I will be a lot happier, and I won't have to hide. Well, at the very least, I'm just hoping that we can kind of shed some light on these uh, behaviors. Yeah. Because he is not the only photographer that engages in these oh, behaviors. Oh, no. No, no, no. There is shit. Because I came, because I stood up for myself, I am blacklisted from modeling now or doing photo shoots with other photographers in this town. I can't get a photographer to talk to me because... He blacklisted me. He went on a group of photographers. There's a group for models and photographers. And got me banned from those groups. Because I came out with the fact that he did this to me. And he's part of this group. And he's looking for his next victims. And something needs to stop. Something needs, they need to be stopped. Like, I don't know who, I was, who I'm going to shoot for my upcoming wedding, you know, my photos for my upcoming wedding. Oh, I, I, I might be able to help arrange that, but that's a, another but discussion. for. I was actually day. looking at other photographers and they're like, well, no, because you are, we don't want you to destroy our reputation. Like you're destroying Arthur's reputa reputation. Well, my question is, if your reputation is destroyed based on the words of a single person, then what they're saying is either true or you don't have a positive reputation in the first place. I don't think he has a positive one because he's, there was also a photographer that I used to work with and he had to close down his company because Arthur was being an absolute fucking asshole and was telling people to not shoot with him. And people were believing Arthur, and then, you know, I think he's like a fucking Gemini or something. I think that's his uh, astrology sign, because... I mean, if you want me to, I could probably find his birthday no, for you. No, because I swear to God, if he's a Leo, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I'll change my birthday. I'm birth month. Hey, he's just a horrible person, but I have a question for, you know, whether whether or not you own the photos that you have taken, does that make it right for you to post uncensored, easily identifiable nudes of someone on your FetLife profile without their knowledge or their permission? No. I have a question. Does he even have the profile still? I mean, it still exists. 
you can still find it online. I'm wondering how many photos there is of me on there. Unfortunately, I wouldn't know because a lot of his photos were kind of hidden behind friendship on the site. And the dummy account that I use to look at these people is not friends with him. Is there any way you can try and be friends with him? I mean, I guess I could make that attempt, but... The reason I'm asking is because if he's posted that one photo, who's to say he hasn't posted several more of me? Because I know he posted other nude photos of other girls that he shot on that profile, on his profile, and I don't even think they know. Well, I will say that uh, the twins do know, and the twins do give their consent and permission. But as far as everyone else, I, I have no I idea. I do not give consent or permission for him to post those on the internet. See, if I post stuff that are, like, risque, I at least cover up, like, the downstairs and upstairs, you know. And cover then I'll face post sometimes. it. Huh? Yeah, maybe cover your face sometimes. Or, like, if he wants to post, like, something like that with a little bit of, like, boobage or something, you know, blur the boobage, you know, and, like, face. Don't just post a picture of me on the internet with my freaking gagas hanging out and my face showing, for God's sakes. Like, that's not okay. I didn't consent to that. I don't know who consents to that. But personally, me, I don't consent. And that's the thing that people need to understand. It's all about consent. So we agree that it's all about consent, but when someone does that without your knowledge or permission, that's not consent. Absolutely not. That is, I consider it as virtual rape, if that makes any sense at all. If that makes, does that make sense? Because I did knowledge of that i didn't have any knowledge or consent it's kind of like a date rape drug you know like you don't know someone put it in yeah that's why i call it virtual rape i probably will find another word for it as the years go by but that's what it feels like to me it felt like all my innocence and like not innocence my privacy privacy just went out the door i felt like i literally stayed home for three days for a week actually not three days for a week just laying on my couch and crying about this because i felt taken advantage of i felt like he had no respect for me and if you're my friend you should at least have some respect for me and not post something like that because I wouldn't do that to somebody, you know? But apparently he doesn't know what respect is. Even though he demands it. Like, I mean, if he asked me, I'd been like, yeah, blur out this part and this part and then you could post it, but he didn't ask me. So my fucking face and whatever is showing is showing and it's just horrible. In short, he's just, uh, he's just of, of the highest order and... He's a f***ing pig and all the pigs don't want to be around him. Yeah. Oh, not to mention that he may have friends that are cops too in this town. And they're part of the group. 
So you mentioned that the uh, cops, or at least a couple of cops, are involved in this munch group and possibly involved in the uh, trafficking or covering it up. Um, do you want to just talk about that in another interview? Yeah, I think that would be great for the next part two of the interview. All right. Uh, I'll come and record with you another day then. Um, otherwise, are there any additional comments you'd like to make as far as this particular interview or anything we've discussed? Just be safe people like be careful who you allow to photographer photographer i mean photography you know what i'm trying to say take pictures of you always bring a friend with a male friend never go to places alone with that photographer and just be safe please all right otherwise i'd like to uh conclude this with one final question uh when you found out that your photo was uh, posted online without your permission. Um, I have some evidence here that the uh, person you were with at the time, who was also the anonymous contact for uh, Little Bubbly Me, had uh, taken you out to Jimmy John's. Do you remember what you ordered that day? Strangely enough, I do. It was a tsunami sandwich without tomato. And uh, I, the, the, the question I'm asking isn't so much to uh, kind of end on a lighter note, but it's the idea that I want to reinforce that when it comes to these traumatic experiences, you remember a lot of the details that would otherwise fly past you. And I just want to say that to any law enforcement that might ever get these people speaking out years later about events that have happened, that while memories can change over time, these smaller details like that are still important to remember. Because regardless of the specifics or, you know, factual objective, you know, it was 2.21 in the afternoon versus it happened on this day or around this day, this week, this month of this year, whatever. We know what happened better than anyone else. And our voices need to be heard. They need to re be respected. And when we go to you, you need to do something. Law enforcement needs to do something and they need to expand their resources when it comes to sexual assault or anything of that nature, in my own opinion. But unfortunately, the world we live in is not perfect, and there are crimes that people get away with, and the most that we can really do is share our stories and the lessons that we've learned in an effort to save those who need to learn our lessons without experiencing the traumas that we have endured. And I just want to uh, thank all of you for listening, and uh, remember that each and every single one of you was always loved, and you were never forgotten. Thank you.